Um, for the far visitors, let you know that we are in the book of Luke, and you can turn there with us. We're in the 13th chapter, um, so that's on page 873. And it's pretty fitting today that the, it's gray and dark outside because that's how we start our message, <laughs> uh, with some gray, uh, gray and darkness. And here's the question I'd like to posit to you. Is the church, is Christianity, the kingdom of God, is it, in this day, is it shrinking? Is it shrinking in number? Is it shriveling? And influence? Is it dying from opposition? Or, worse yet, is it already dead? (laughs) Don't throw anything at me, all right? I'm I'm getting there. Is the church, is Christianity, the kingdom of God, is it shrinking, shriveling, dying, or is it already dead? When we, uh, we recently, well not recently, it's about maybe six months uh, during the summer, we sent uh, one of our very own to uh, go to England and to do missionary work in England. And for us, we were so happy to do that, but also our hearts were so heavy, right? Because when we think about Europe, we think about that as really the, where Christianity has so much strength and fervor and where it had such great influence on us. In fact, uh, you know, we're a spillover from the, the whole that Christianity has. We just celebrated St. Patrick's Day and, and we know that a, a lot of the, a majority of the, like the, the good old theological writings there, if you're going to get a PhD, you have to learn German in order to really access these great Mining the depths of scripture. But today, I'll read a report from a place called Summit Ministry. It says, attendance is is abysmal, with less than 2% of the population darkening the door of a church on a regular basis in Britain, France, and Germany. Less than 2% of the population. According to the European Value Study, as reported by the Christian Post, half the population in many areas of Europe never attend religious services. And in Germany, a country with one quarter of the population in the United States is home to 10 times as many atheists. In 2002, some of y'all know this Christian writer, Tom Rainier, survey found that only 6% of the U.S. churches were growing. Is the church shrinking? Is the church shriveling in influence? You know, our, our country was based on, founded on Judeo-Christian beliefs. And so even our constitution, our laws, are based on those Christian beliefs, on those going back to the foundations of Scripture, the Old Testament and the, the Ten Commandments. And then we have court rulings, Supreme Court rulings that they say that we cannot have, we cannot display the Ten Commandments in the courtroom. Now, you, you, can, you can argue the merits of the, the law, the Constitution, whether there should be or should not, but it is, you can argue it's a symbol. 
to remove that symbol of the background, the foundation, is, is the church shrinking in influence? Another court decision that you cannot allow public prayer in schools. Most recently, the redefining of marriage and the worst yet, that many cities, even this last week, two or three cities were not allowed Chick-fil-A in their airports. I mean, it's gotten that bad. Is, is Christianity shriveling in influence? Is it dying from opposition? It was just two weeks ago we talked about the death toll uh, in Nigeria growing of Christian martyrs, and that number just swells and swells and swells every year. Even some of our own friends in Kenya have been have been martyred, great men of learning, men, great teachers, gone, dying from opposition. Or is the church dead? Darwin, not that many years ago, said the world is formed by natural processes and without a creator, prompting the accompanying philosophy with its end being, as Nietzsche proclaimed, God is dead. Dark day. Well, thanks. That's why I came to church, right? Is the church shrinking, shriveling, dying, or is it already dead? As we pick up the story in Luke chapter 12, the questions that we ask today are questions that probably have been asked throughout that even in the first century, that Jesus was with his disciples and they had to be wondering maybe some of these same questions. It's a universal question. It, it has existed in all kinds of, these questions have existed in all kinds of contexts at varying times, all kinds of cultures. Can you imagine the thoughts of the early disciples as they wondered, as they were walking with Jesus, what kind of kingdom would this be? They were expecting a Messiah, a Messiah who would come and help them be delivered from the Romans and that they would get prominence again, all kinds of different kinds of prominence, that they would, they would be their own lords and lords of others, that there would be one who would can't come like David. He would, he would be greater than even David, the, the high point in, in Israel's history. Greater than Moses, greater than the prophet Elijah and his miracles. This was going to be this great leader, but who did they find? They found, well, they found Jesus, who had some appearances of, but not the completeness of. Would this man, born in a stable, overwhelm the Romans? Would, it, would this leader produce a new, better temple? But then you hear Jesus say, I'll knock this down and raise it up three days. Oh, well, maybe. Would he usher in the promised Messiah, great king greater, uh, a kingdom greater than David's? 
Or, as they spend a little more time with them, would it amount to nothing at all? And as they... As we march to the cross in Luke chapter 13, as they're spending time with Jesus, who is, he's not assuming the place in the synagogue and the temple they thought he would. In fact, the story right before this, Jesus is healing this woman who's bent over. This is a beautiful story. This lady is bent over, and she's been like this for 18 years. And she's in the temple like this. And Jesus on the Sabbath day comes, and he touches her. And heals her. And she gets to worship like this. And so the religious people said, what you doing? You can't be doing that on the Sabbath day. The religious people, the people who were in the know, were saying that their leader had gotten it all wrong. Could Jesus be the one who would reclaim the world, reclaim the temple? Would he be this Messiah? He wasn't exactly looking like it. Remember, even his, his own brothers say, well, if you are, let's go into Jerusalem and get things stirred up. Trying to force Jesus' hands. And as the disciples looked around, this, this great victor, where were the numbers? There were 12 of them, right? 72 others. And then people who had come and go, kind of depending on what Jesus was serving for dinner. Where was the acceptance? Where was the religious, religious leaders who were accepting? They weren't there. There was no army. Jesus seemed to have no plan that he was telling them about. And worst of all, he's acting more like a servant than a king. Can you imagine what the disciples were going through? What is, what is this kingdom like? Is it going anywhere? Like we started out so good, we were fitting. Uh, that sounded so Texan, didn't it? So good. This thing started out so, so good, we were out there fishing, and he says, now put him over on the other side. We pulled him, and there's a huge, this is, Wow. He's healing people. Things started out like maybe going someplace, but now, is it the rising of the sun or is it the setting of the sun? That's the, that's the question that Christians have been asking from the very beginning, before they were even Christians. Luke chapter 13, verses 18 through 21. Jesus said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden. And it grew and became a tree. And the birds of the air made nests in its branches. And again he said, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of dough. We see these comparisons to the kingdom of God. What are they like? What are they like? They're like a, a mustard seed. Uh, I, I, I had a, a box, I mean a little thing of mustard seeds, and there was thousands in there. They're little bitty. They look like poppy seeds. And so... This gardener was throwing out this little bitty thing, and from that little bitty seed grew this mustard plant tree that's about nine feet tall. 
It would stand out in a garden, right? What is, the, what is it like? The kingdom of God, it has very small beginning. It's like that you take it and put in a lump of dough. And this amount of dough that he's talking about would feed about 150 people. So this isn't a lump of dough. This is a lump of dough. And he, it's like the, the baker just put a little, little bit of yeast in there. And what happened to it? Like this. What's in common with both of these pictures of the kingdom of God? It starts very, very, very small. I mean, not small, like very, very small. Disciples, I know there's just a few of you here. And not all of you are faithful. In fact, I can't find one of you yet. (laughs) The kingdom is very small. It starts so small. It's like yeast. It's like a, a little mustard seed. You're familiar. What's also common about these stories that helps us understand the kingdom of God? It has very small beginnings, but it grows. It grows. It is mysterious. That growth is sometimes imperceptible. You don't even, can't even quite tell what is happening. But it is inevitable. And it continues to grow. And then this, this kind of growth that it produces is extensive. It goes from being the very smallest thing to the very largest thing that you can imagine. This is the nature of the kingdom of God. Remember who he's talking to. He's talking to these disciples. They cannot see it. They can't do a survey and find how that could be true. But Jesus is saying, I want you to know, although right now you can't perceive what is on the move, I want to tell you that it's living and alive, like a seed and like yeast. And the kingdom of God is going to expand. It's going to have great influence. It's going to be great in number. It's going to be great in power. It's going to be great in glory. You can't see it right now. It's like this big. But Jesus says this is the very nature of his kingdom. So this is on the way to the cross that Jesus is telling him this. Can you imagine how badly they needed to hear these words as Jesus was on the cross? It's, it's like what? It's like you're dying. How can this kingdom be? And, and the disciples, what do they do? They run. And the key leader, Peter, what does he do? He denies Jesus. That's the best shot we have is Peter. And Peter says, "Uh, no. Then Jesus resurrects. He meets with his disciples. And then he meets with them again at the seashore. And where does he find them? He finds them fishing. Because they're wondering, is this kingdom... Is it rising or is it setting? Is it shrinking? Is it shriveling? Is it dying or is it already dead? And Jesus came to tell them, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. It's growing in ways you can't imagine that you don't know. It's mysterious and invisible and is extensive, so much so. When when he talks about the last part of the the first one, he says, and and even the birds come and rest 
and its branches. It's a picture, we see this in the story of Nebuchadnezzar as well when he talks about, and that the people will come from all over and rest in the peace of your branches. So will the kingdom of God. There'll be people from all over, all cultures and places will come and rest and find peace in this kingdom. It's for all kinds of people. And so the disciples needed it on the way to the cross. They needed it while Jesus was on the cross and they needed it after the cross. Can you imagine what the questions of the first century Christians were? As they, they watched the apostles in, in AD 35, the head of the, the Jerusalem, I mean, uh, 35, the first martyr Stephen died at the hands of Saul. I was, we were reading our little devotion last night with our kiddos, and we were on this story, we were, we were, and it showed Saul uh, in the great conversion, where they're the speaking in tongues and the tongues of fire, and Peter preaches, and it showed Saul in the corner. I don't know if this is, he was there or not, but it's kind of interesting to think about that. And as Saul was in the corner, and his face looked devious and menacing, and as Peter was preaching this message, he said, well, that's not going to happen. I'll make sure it doesn't happen. And that's what he did, right? His, Paul, Saul, wanted to destroy this kingdom, but he could not destroy it because the kingdom of God is like a... And he couldn't stop it. In 35, Stephen was martyred. And then in 42, James, the half-brother of Jesus, the head of the church in Jerusalem, was beheaded. In 64, Nero launched his persecution against the church. In 65, Peter and Paul, we understand by church history, we see that Peter and Paul were executed. What are we going to do now? We've lost James. We lost Peter and Paul. What is the church going to do? Is the kingdom of God, is the sun rising or the sun setting? In AD, Domitian, in the 80s, Domitian develops emperor worship. And so Christians now are not considered just a different sect, but they're considered atheists because they don't worship the new emperor who is God. And what of today? Is the kingdom shrinking? Is it shriveling? Dying? Or is it dead? How about in you? For a minute, I would like this to call, as Hebrew says, upon the great cloud of witnesses. They stand here before us. Let's ask James and Stephen, early martyrs. What is the kingdom of God like? And they'll say, it's like a mustard seed. But you're dead. Yeah. About one-third of the world's population identifies as Christian. Did you see that coming? <laughs> we asked them. And they say, no, but I know the kingdom of God. Let's ask Peter and Paul. What is the kingdom of God like? Is it waning? Is it dying? No. The kingdom of God is like? A mustard seed. Now our grandparents and our parents, and now we stand. And in our lives, have you not seen it? 
The growth seems imperceptible at times. Sometimes there's big pushes in our life and, oh, I, 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 I see God at work. And there's other times that are slow. There are people we've been praying for for so long. It seems like it's so slow. Is the Spirit of God working in you? Or is it like a mustard seed? Church, I want you to be encouraged today because our God is alive and active in the world. Amen. And the world is changing because of the Spirit of God. Let us be faithful in this work. Do not be discouraged. Continue to endure. Because the kingdom of God, after all, is like a mustard seed. Let's pray.